0: Join the Geek Therapy Discord server and talk to cool people about cool things. You can join us at geektherapy.com/discord. Welcome to GT Radio. At Geek Therapy, we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the things we love. And I love D&D, so that's what we're going to talk about today. How are you doing everyone?
1: Yay. Yay, D&D! <laughs> that's right.
0: I'm changing it up. I'm the leader today, and I don't introduce everyone by name. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's see a status quo.
1: <laughs> Brandon the Usurper. Mm-hmm.
0: It's over. I'm the DM of this podcast. So, how's everyone doing today?
1: You just asked us.
0: Are you still good? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm it's really kind
1: of weird not having a sway here. But I know. It-,
0: it is a little weird, and we miss him. And we know that he misses us dearly, but I'm really excited that he's trusted us with the reins of this podcast that he's he's had for so long. That really, it's a meaningful thing. It's a big honor. And I treat that, that responsibility, delicately. You know, I don't want to mess this up.
1: Don't do it, Brandon. Don't mess it up. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. So, so let's,
0: let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons for real. So I gave a little preview last week about what we're going to do. And this week we're just kind of talking about D&D generally. After this we're going to all play D&D together. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to hearing about what the two of you think about that. And then after all the listeners have had a chance to listen to us playing D&D, we're going to do a debrief episode, kind of like a talking dead episode of our own D&D show and we'll answer if the listeners had any questions. And as the DM, I'll answer whether or not any of you had any question. I'll answer any questions that any of you might have had about the game. So I'm super excited about it. But what maybe to start off with, I thought it might be fun and fun because I don't totally know the background that the two of you have with Dungeons and Dragons. So anyone feeling comfortable just sharing kind of what's your experience with D&D or what's your what's your what's your backstory with D&D?
1: backstory with D&D. <laughs> I just did a whole blog post about this on therapeutic
0: code. <laughs> Perfect.
1: So I played a lot of RPGs in like middle school and high school, but it was mostly white wolf RPGs. And I hadn't okay. played uh, any D&D until I finished college and went into some, uh, lived with a bunch of roommates. And one of them said, Want to play D&D with me and my friends? And I was like, I got nothing better to do. (laughs) So we sat down and made a character. And we're playing 3.5. So it took me four or five hours to make this character. I was up till four in the morning with my DM. (laughs) (laughs) And I was miserable making the character. I was so overwhelmed. But he sat there with me and held my hand through the whole thing. Uh, And... I ended up having a blast when we started playing, but I definitely was starting to get scared off with how sure intensive character creation was back then. And the campaign was great. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I was nervous about role-playing because mm-hmm. it had been a bit since I'd been role-playing. And then my friend who was the DM uh, passed away in a motorcycle accident.
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And that
1: was really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... I hadn't played D&D in 10 years okay. until I started playing again two weeks ago. Okay. And uh, I was really nervous about that. And it went really well. I had a lot of fun. And I can talk more about that probably later. The But um, he... I feel like my friend would be proud of me for for trying something new, and it had been so long since I played that my I was rusty on my my creative muscles, and sure, I feel like my backstory for my character wasn't as as detailed as some other people in my group, but uh, I still am happy with where it's going, and it's fun to be back in it and fifth edition is so much easier,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. I love all that. So you skipped right over 4th edition. I did. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> I okay. I avoided
1: it. And now 5th edition's been around for a while
0: now. It has, yeah. It's yeah. it's had a few years now. And it's certainly, I think, played a pretty big role in the resurgence of popularity and how common D&D is for exactly kind of the reason that you described Fourth edition, kind of like what you described with your experience with 3.5, was pretty technical and pretty rule-based, and they really backed off of a lot of that for fifth edition and focused more on the narrative and the role-playing and the social communication and social interaction that are a part of the game. And Mm -hmm. I think that's made it a lot more accessible for people because it's gotten away from some of the really technical wargaming English roots of the game and moved into more of this, like, social hangout game which i think is just really played a pretty vital and meaningful role on how big it's gotten
1: yeah and i like how they have like quick builds now for Mm -hmm. each of the each of the classes and you can just kind of throw things together and and just get in and start playing uh and that's that's really cool um, I really like the background system, and mm-hmm. I could have gone with the quick build, but I decided to kind of dive into that because it seems a little bit more world of darknessy to me oh, okay with with the backgrounds and stuff and I really like that it 's pretty cool that I'm is cool. A good time
0: I love to hear that it 's interesting there 's even on just a number of websites where you can just click a button and it spits out a five e character for you so i don 't think that character creation has ever been easier you can You can do it in the click of a mouse now. Um, if you don't mind playing something absolutely and totally random, but even yeah, it would be
1: tu- it would be kind of hard to do that ten years ago,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting to see how quickly technology has come along in assisting and making it a more accessible hobby too, even with things like d and d beyond or some of like the online services that you can play. Dungeons and Dragons with, whether it's just a voice chat, kind of like we're doing now and are going to do when we play, or things that involve a lot more of like maps and rolling digitally and little markers for characters, or things like even Divinity Original Sin 2 that has like its DM mode that you can just create campaigns and run a campaign inside of it. So it's pretty cool how technology has really augmented the way that DD has changed over the years.
1: Definitely. I a while back I'd been missing playing Baldur's Gate. Uh, so I got Tales of the Sword Coast or Sword Coast Legends. Sword Coast mm-hmm. Legends. And that I think has a DM mode too. Oh cool. Uh but I never got to play with it. I just did the, the solo mish version. But it was pretty cool.
0: I love everything about it. Lauren, what's your background with D D all about? I know you're familiar with Baldur's Gate at least.
2: Uh definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my, my Baldur's Gate tattoo. Um, yes. <laughs> it is on your body. It's on my body. it's in my body. It's mm-hmm. all around me forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I d and D's has always sort of been like around in my life. Both of my parents played D&D when I was a wee kid. And then um, when I was, I want to say like nine or 10, it's the first time I got to play. Hmm. Um, and we played uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, so 2.0, hmm. which was really fun. Uh, and of course, I was a kid, so the my my mom and and the DM and uh, his wife all helped me make my character and everything. Because like I could read, but <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait, how much math are you asking me to do? Right. Hold on, I need a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ten. I'm still working on my multiplication and division here. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, and then since then I've played a whole bunch of different things. I played a, a fair amount of Pathfinder 3.5. Mm-hmm. I've played uh, one campaign of 4th edition and I've played one campaign of 5th edition. Um, I know 4th edition got a lot of hate from mm-hmm. uh, Longtime fans of D&D, but um, it it actually has been my favorite game I've played so far. So I have a really hard time hating 4th edition just because I had such a positive experience. But um, a big part of that was like I had a really, really cool DM who was just like... You know, rules are cool and useful, but the point is for all of us to have fun. So if you come up with something that's not necessarily supported by the rules, but it sounds fun as hell, we're going to do that. Nice. We're just going to do it. And I'm like, yes! Uh, some of the coolest fights in that game. <laughs> that was so great. Um, and then I've played... Oh, What is the... um the Warhammer 40K RPG called
0: I don't know off the top of my head.
2: Um ooh, I cannot remember. That's my brain is melty, but um it's it's you know based off of the 40K universe with space aliens and mm-hmm. marines and fighting and everything. I played a game of that and I've played a couple of games of um this Uh, campaign called, or not campaign, uh, I guess world called uh, Midway City, which is like this sci-fi sort of 1920s slash Blade Runner kind of stuff. It's very very cool. cool. And then um, what else have I played? Oh, oh, um, one of my favorite games is uh, this like real low key game called kobolds ate my babies oh that's so fun it's so fun i've played that a handful of times too i love that game i think that's a great game for people who are like i'm interested in the idea of doing like silly role-playing but um please don't ask me to make like a million character creation decisions sure and so it's just like you know roll 2d6 and whatever you rolled is on this list and then that's your background
0: okay cool
2: (laughs) makes it very easy you're a kobold (laughs) you have uh a hat, and a backpack, and that's it.
0: <laughs> Keep it simple.
2: Keep it simple.
0: I like what that. What about you,
2: Brandon? What's your D&D background?
0: <laughs> um, my D&D background, my backstory, if you will, I actually started with fourth edition when I was in college. A friend and I picked up just the uh, red box that they had put out for that edition and messed around with it a little bit, and then maybe played a couple times sporadically throughout college, maybe just a Saturday afternoon kind of thing with 4th edition. Really liked it, but just had a hard time getting a group to play regularly. Um, so it wasn't until um, I was in graduate school that I started playing d d regularly with a group that I still play with, which, gosh, at this point must have been three or maybe f- four years ago now we started playing. Oh, it had to have been four years at least. And that's been really fun. So we started with 5th edition, of course. And we played through, let's see here, 1, 2, 3. We're on our fourth kind of campaign now, I think. I think that's right. So that's been a lot of fun. I took a a turn at DMing myself. I DMed an entire campaign called Curse of Strahd, which is a pretty awesome remake of the Ravenloft campaign uh, of old. And so that was really cool. And it's been a lot of fun. The groups evolved um, in the number of players and the the people who are playing. It started off kind of interesting because we played on Saturdays for anywhere between like four and eight hours. Um, and eight hours is too much D&D for me, I, I, very admittedly. <laughs>
1: that's I, a lot of D&D. It,
0: it was pretty intensive. And that that included a lunch break. Um, but that's still... My brain was pretty well fried. A six-hour session is pretty comfortable for me, and four is probably ideal for me. But we did pretty consistent eight-hour sessions every week um, as long as we could. And then as our we finished that campaign. Well, actually, that campaign ended interestingly, and maybe I should circle back to that. But when we did finally finish it and the, the players in the group changed, there was just differing work schedules. And it, there was people for whom eight hours a week was just an, an an unimaginable amount of time to play so then we moved down to like two or three hours a week um which is a lot more manageable and that's pretty much what we've been doing since um so it's been a lot of fun and i've played a number of different characters i've played a ranger and a rogue and a cleric and a fighter now um like i think i mentioned but dming i prefer dming over playing i just really get into telling an interesting kind of fun narrative and trying to hook players in on like cool plot elements. And I kind of like, you know, especially with Curse of Strahd, there's a lot of like weird little things you can do. Like I put the main villain's face on the money and my characters were just constantly paranoid that he was like scrying them or spying on them through the money somehow. So they were like, going to ditch all of their money in like a stream, but it was just totally normal (laughs) money. So there's just so many like neat little things that you could do to mess around in that campaign especially um, that made it a lot of fun to sort of tell the story. And I think my love for the um, D&D certainly roots back to early RPG video games. Certainly Elder Scrolls, I think played a pretty pivotal role. I know I talked in a previous episode about Elder Scrolls Morrowind being my first kind of big RPG game that I sunk an incredible amount of time in and, and probably was really instrumental in the development of kind of my my infatuation with that genre, both in video games and novels and film and tabletop games. And now as people who know, who follow me or are involved, interact with me on social media know, my love for tabletop uh, RPG gaming and D&D has kind of involved 3D printing, which has been really fun. Um, I have a, just a stack of miniatures sitting in front of me. Like, well, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 22, 23 <laughs> miniatures, and four brand new pieces of terrain that I finished printing um, so today. So
1: jelly. Yeah. So
0: the terrain is really cool, too. It's like modular dungeon pieces. And it's kind of interesting because there's this kind of concept or idea uh, where... People who really enjoy Dungeons and Dragons don't always get to play. So it's like, how do you occupy your time and your love for Dungeons and Dragons when you're not able to be playing with your group? And I finally kind of successfully landed that for me. And it's in like the the immense like factory like production of of miniatures and things related to the game for me. So I think that's really it's been interesting to talk to other people about kind of how do they fill that void, whether it's through games or um, like the Warlock of Firetop of Mountain on Steam that I I streamed a couple times for our, our GT stream team. That's one way to kind of fill that void or like uh, choose your own adventure books or things like that. So it's kind of interesting. That's, that's sort of my background and how I got into it and and kind of the way that I, I still play today, but not as much as I would like. And that's kind of my way of filling that void um, when I'm not able to play. So yeah, that's my, that's my love to either view kind of have any of those things that i don't know do you do do things that kind of fill that rpg uh void for you when you're not able to be playing games or anything like that too
1: i think for me playing video games especially rpgs was helpful in that like 10 year gap that i had Mm -hmm. i definitely felt an itch but i wanted to find a good fit with a dm right uh especially since he was the only dm i had for uh for d um so yeah a lot of video games a lot of um reading forgotten realms books oh, those are my, yeah. some oh, of yeah. my favorite uh, fantasy books and my first fantasy novel that i read was a um was a uh forgotten realms book it was i think was it spellfire okay one of the ed greenwood books that's kind of dating myself. They're, that was pretty old by now. I, I like the Drizzt books. Yeah. I like, uh, he's my favorite. I, I love uh, rangers,
0: so. Mm-hmm. There was a Not long... everyone
1: can be a, a, a dark elf. Uh,
0: That's true. Ranger, though. <laughs> and it was funny because there was a long period of my life where my friends almost relentlessly picked on me because all of my RPG characters were based on Drizzt. And, uh, <laughs> of course, now uh, hard to play a drow elf because they experience a uh, disadvantage at pretty much everything they do due to their sunlight sensitivity and 5e. So I've always like tiptoed like, do I really want to play one and just roll with disadvantage for like the whole campaign? <laughs> Probably still worth it, like for my love for that character. <laughs> but I haven't I haven't taken the plunge yet. So that's really cool. The, the novels are a lot of fun.
1: I remember I used to RP uh, do some RPG in um, AOL chat rooms a long time mm-hmm. ago. God, that dates me even more. <laughs> uh, and I remember playing with a friend of mine and he had several different characters on his various screen names and... And then I started reading the Drizzt books and I was like, every single one of his characters is a rip off of oh, one sure. of these, these. He had a Drizzt one. He had a Wolfgar one. Uh, he had a Brunor one. Oh my gosh. It was ridiculous.
0: That's really cool. Those books are a lot of fun. And, they are another, so much fun. Another thing I'm sort of curious about, I, I want to talk about like a lot of the positive aspects of Dungeons and Dragons and how it allows or serves as a vehicle for connecting with people. But... It has kind of a a little bit of a bumpy history in that like there was a time where d and d was pretty strongly like associated with like satanic worship or like r- like doing real life magic and like dying by suicide and things like that. And it's interesting for me because as I've really gotten into the hobby over the last couple of years, I've seen that there are still some remnants of that that exist, which really Mm -hmm. surprised me. I think I shared on the show previously how I once in invited a group of people to play for just a one shot in one afternoon. And one of those people told me like, no, I'm Catholic. I can't play that. And there's been a couple little things like that, that I've picked up on over the last couple of years. So that's been kind of an interesting thing for me is to kind of see some of those remnants of, of D and D being associated with such negative or, or what's perceived as negative things um, ha- has either of you ever experienced any pushback or any of kind of that darker side of being involved <laughs> in the hobby before?
2: <laughs> Lauren's laughing. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Um, honest- <laughs> I thought that was going to be your whole answer. <laughs> yes, that's, that's it. No, I mean, honestly, uh, it's sort of maybe surprising to me that, that both myself and my sister still play Uh, D&D and D&D adjacent uh, role-playing games, tabletop games, because um, we both had uh, bad experiences with my dad's friends who would come over once a month to play D&D. And it was really cool that we got to participate, but it was really not cool to have like 47-year-old dudes hitting on a 12 and 14-year-old that's not great not ideal not ideal um yeah i've i've also like just in like general interactions with people in like game stores or Mm -hmm. you know other things that are sort of you know, related to D and D, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I grew up playing D and D." And there's always this sort of like, Prove it. Really? Nah, you mm. didn't really play it. You played the Sims. Like, you don't know what D and D is. And I'm like, "Uh, I have like an old ass monster manual. I can go get. You want me to go get it for you?" Right. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Um, definitely experienced some bullshit. Uh, in that way. But I've also had lots of really great experiences. I've had friendships that have basically developed on a platform of of playing games together and having that be our main interaction. And now we're very close friends uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean even, you know, moving away from tabletop gaming, even into um like I put I put a lot of hours into four Fallout 3 and Mm. um, Skyrim and Mass Effect and those all have role playing aspects to them as well and being able to even though they are single player games um, you're not cooperatively playing with other people you're still able to have like a social element to it because you're talking about like oh well what did you do at that part where you got a choice to do this or you know what what build did you go with did you find that special weapon and all that stuff is like a still really nice social sharing moment over various role playing. It's very exciting to tell stories about a game experience, but getting to do it in the first person of like, yeah, and then I equipped my Fisto and I punched oh. a robot so hard it flew into the sky forever and never returned. <laughs> That's right. I'm an unstoppable robot punching monster. <laughs> yes. Ah. You are an unstoppable robot puncher monster. Well, I mean, that was back then. Now I would rather be an unstoppable robot smooching monster. (laughs) That is uh, so on brand.
0: (laughs) Makes Uh, me want to play Into the Breach. Into Um, the smooch. Yes. So, I mean, that raises such a really good point, too. And what I think is one of the really big, strong, uh, you know, strong. What's the word I'm looking for? One of the really great things, I should say, about about tabletop pl- role-playing games, and d and um, in- is included in that umbrella, is that social connection. I have also developed pretty cool friendships with people who I wouldn't have otherwise met because we met through D&D and kind of gotten to live through these really neat, albeit imaginary, stories together, which has been pretty cool. Um, so I think that it has a lot of great even mental health kind of things. So getting out regularly and having something to do in your schedule is a really good thing. And having regular socialization with people, presumably, if you're if you're with a group of people who's you know uh, accepting and a group of friends, I mean, that's a really positive thing for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really cool things that you can get out of playing D and D, especially when you're in a, a good. Um, positive environment like that. Your story, Lauren, reminded me a little bit. I'm remembering back. I think I shared it with all of you. Some kind of nasty tweet that was going around um, Twitter about how this man didn't include women in his D&D group. And I don't remember his exact reasoning, but it was very gross and misogynistic. And people were very much dunking on him. Uh, and it was very, very glorious to to witness. But it, it did... Uh, <laughs> It reminded me a little bit because that's not something I ever experienced of, and I know we've talked about this term and, and not everyone loves it, but a little bit of like the gatekeeping that exists sometimes in this hobby and this community that keeps, yes. keeps women away or keeps other groups away. And I think that's just so gross and so disappointing Um So yeah, there's there's certainly, I think, a lot of good to be had when you can play D&D with the right people, but there's still room for improvement in the community as a whole. Now, I think Wizards of the Coast has done a nice job of making D&D inclusive um, just with the kind of representation that they try to do. So I think that's one good thing. And I think there are a number of really well-known people who are involved with the community that also bring those kind of values that I think are really good. So I think definitely movement in the right direction, but I, I can't wait to see it become more and more inclusive and then get more and more people involved with the hobby as a whole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think, you know, even though I've had bad experiences and I know that there's definitely darker aspects to, uh, the community and to, um, D&D itself, I mean, you know, if you want to get real nitty gritty with it, talking about like racial bonuses and class Mm. bonuses and and stuff like that can can, you know, there's a lot, (laughs) a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, that's not what D&D wants to do. They just want to we're just having fun. We're not going to think about how we've basically made a a race of slaves. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, which okay <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I do think that D&D is moving in the right direction they've become more inclusive um, in their their content and also in their um, their workers uh, but there's also a ton of other role playing games that aren't connected to D&D at all and there's you know all sorts of different genres there's westerns there's Kung Fu ninja mm-hmm. games there's dinosaur hunting games there's s- space games and there's a legend of Zelda D20 game mm-hmm. yeah uh, there's you know you can play a walking dead role playing game mm-hmm. if if that's mm-hmm. more your jam and so there are a lot a lot a lot of other you know much less well known than D&D tabletop role playing games but if you start looking around for it you can find some really really cool empowering diverse stuff it's it's pretty amazing i'm i'm excited for the next couple of years as as everything gets more and more popular and more more and more people get to play and interact and uh it's become less stigmatized but Mm -hmm. more than that i'm more excited for as it becomes more popular more of the smaller indie um campaign and book writers and everybody will get more uh more eyes on their stuff too
0: yeah, that's a really good point. I've the only other system I've really dabbled in a little bit is Dungeon World, um which is another fantasy sort of uh based system that's mostly based on 2d6s and emphasizes more role playing and a lot less of the kind of technical math features mm-hmm. uh, a lot of which i think most people generally kind of throw out of DD things like like encumbrance uh, <laughs> and things like that i don't think there's a lot of people like crunching the numbers on on how much gold they're carrying and how much does that weigh
2: <laughs> no certain- they're like wait you you're a, no- a noble okay hold on i have to do math on your interest for your, your right. castle <laughs> it's like wait really <laughs> exactly.
0: We're doing
2: interest?
0: exactly i think a a lot of that stuff is just checked out by nature of the game um so it's cool to see some of these other systems um or even other other properties i guess that use even the d20 system i don't know if the star wars rpg uses the d20 system but i know the lord of the rings one uses the kind of 5e rule set um so there's a lot of cool stuff yeah you raise a really good point and especially with some of the indie developers um and a lot of the, even just people or in you know individuals who create content for 5e it's really cool to see it's not just wizards of the coast content that you can run i have a folder full of really cool content that people have shared or that i've purchased through websites like um dm's guild or drive-through rpg and i just think that's so cool that there are people who are making their living um through you know the sales that they're making slash patreon supporters or whatever by making that kind of really interesting engaging rpg content it's really neat
1: when i was at san diego comic-con last week i picked up the hardcover rolled and told
0: manual oh my goodness
1: Nice. Um, from Lion Forge, I'm and so envious. It is amazing. I love that they're the way it balances comics and adventures, and they they built it like it's a like a actual D and D manual. Like it's got the adventures first, then there's a section for maps, and oh then there's my a gosh. section for characters. It's like it's beautiful and really well made, and I am excited that people are making simple adventures more. Accessible. I mean, in most of the adventures in that in that hardcover book, it says you need uh, to fully uh, experience Mm -hmm. it and and utilize everything in there. You need the players, the fifth edition players' guide, and the monster manual and the DM's guide. Um, But it it's still wonderful, and it's not just Wizards of the Coast. And there's very different types of people writing the the adventures for those for for rolled and told and it is amazing
0: yes can't recommend rolled and told enough i think i have every issue except the (laughs) latest one that's waiting for me at the comic book store i just got a text uh last night letting me know that i could pick it up today so yeah i actually have to go right now uh, okay, bye, so, bye, everyone. <laughs> no, speaking of going, why don't we take a quick break and come back and keep going with this fantastic conversation about D and D? Consider this your invitation to Geek Therapy's Discord server. We've got channels for probably too many things, but it's great, and we'd love to have you there. Go to geektherapy.com/discord to join and chat about games and other stuff you care about. Again, get your invite at geektherapy.com/discord. And we're back. Why don't we talk a little bit about why? Why do the two of you, uh, you know, with your both of you have very specialized training and very, um, I think, profound insights? Kind of cashing in on those. Why do you both think that D and D has gotten so big? Because it's never been like it is now. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You've got things like. Critical role that has h- had the biggest Kickstarter of all time for all of, I think even all of time going forward, they they've already <laughs> it's determined it's the biggest ever. They closed Kickstarter. Um, you've got D and D just being so popular. You have celebrities playing D and D. You've got podcasts and other live streams. I mean, it's huge. So why do the two of you think that's happening?
1: I've got two word answer for you. Stranger Things. Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely. Tell me more. But-
1: I mean, I ha- I'm i still on uh, season two of Stranger mm-hmm. Things. I'm trying to catch up because there I know there's so much good stuff in there. But when so you're good. married and you both don't have time to watch stuff together <laughs> you- and you both are like, no, you can't watch it without me. <laughs> things end up lost. Um, right. But I think that a lot of people with the nostalgia factor, like connecting to those characters from the 80s. And watching these kids bond over D&D, I think that got people interested that might not have been so interested mm-hmm. or scared to play when they were younger because they might have been bullied. Um, geek culture in general mm-hmm. has become... Not just on the outskirts, it's mainstream now. Mm-hmm. uh you look at the number of people I just had to wade through to get from one end of a convention <laughs> center to the other right uh and d and d was everywhere there oh sure uh, you say critical role Dark Horse has comics that are critical role yeah. comics. it was one of their exclusives uh was was a um critical role um Comic book, mm-hmm. um, and I think IDW is putting out uh, Baldur's Gate comics mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of different comics that are D and D themed. It was literally everywhere. I saw the Rick and Morty D and D book <laughs> at two different booths. You sent us a picture, and it was sold out by the end of Saturday. I think mm-hmm. it was. It's just booming. Um, I think that these companies and uh, Wizards of the Coast and other companies that are working with D and D uh material and licensing are just picking up on the zeitgeist and like picking mm-hmm. up on where things are going and it really is a nostalgia thing i think for people who do play dnd or did play dnd and want to continue to do so but also for those who never really tried it and are like what's this thing that everyone's talking about that looks kind of cool those kids seem to be having a good time playing dnd and <laughs> having adventures
0: i love adventures
1: I love adventures.
2: Adventures are amazing. Let's be adventurers, guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Stranger Things has has definitely helped the resurgence of D&D's popularity and, and existing in the, the zeitgeist. Uh, but I also think part of it is that we need these kinds of games mm. in our mm-hmm. culture, we need, uh, y- you know, playful pretend games that are not just for, you know, three-year-olds, but also adults need mm-hmm. need opportunities to imagine and pretend and do silly voices and, uh, <laughs> and spend face-to-face time with other people who, you know, they can be silly around. Um, And I think that, you know, 2016 to 2019, uh, a lot of people have been needing that that sort of escape, that sort of, I'm going to put a pin in real life and for, you know, two or three hours, me and my friends are going to, you know, pretend that we live in a totally different world with totally different problems that we absolutely can handle as long as we try hard enough. Uh, I think it's. I think especially for people who aren't, you know, old enough to really get the nostalgia factor. I think that's a lot of it. Is like this is becoming a socially acceptable way to to play and sort of disengage from from real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right, Lauren. I think
1: so. My nephew is in the D and D group we just started out. Mm-hmm. He's he just turned twenty three. So he doesn't have that nostalgia factor necessarily, but he grew up with me as his aunt. And so Mm -hmm. he's a big nerd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got him hooked on WoW when he was younger. uh, And I think when he realized he could basically play WoW in person with people, he thought it was pretty cool. It's Um, so cool. It's so cool and so fun and... um, I can see him. He's the kind of guy that likes to break down mechanics and make the best kind of build. And it's been great talking to him about D&D and and nerding out with him in a way that I haven't been able to since uh, I quit playing WoW, which hurt my heart. (laughs) And so, yeah, definitely there's other pathways and not just the nostalgia factor, but like he sees a way to be in the room with people Mm -hmm. and, and get to play and have interactions and he's fitting in perfectly with my friends and it's wonderful. Uh, Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, that's sort of the magical thing about D and D and D and I don't think that that's a, a, you know, fifth edition new thing. I Mm -hmm. think that that's sort of the magic of D and D is Mm that depending on you know what what you want out of the game. You can play it different ways. I mean, this is very you know based on who you end up playing with and who your dungeon master is and everything. But you know, if you're more about the um, the mechanics and breaking down the math and trying to build like the most perfect. Jesus hero of all time <laughs> like there's you can play the game that way if you mm-hmm. are more about like I want to like just tell a really goofy story that my friends and I improv uh like you can play D&D that way too and as long as you find you know people who are on the same wavelength of your play style enjoyment then you can have so much fun playing D&D. Mm-hmm. And then even within one group, you can have a lot of different motivations. Like mm-hmm. I said, my
1: nephew wants to build this awesome fighter and, uh, and be our tank. Well, we also have Jessica on the Queer Comics podcast in our group, and her character is a tiefling bard named Yas yes. that Yas. plays a magical <laughs> guitar. Yas! <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so she's having a lot of fun just playing, and she's never played D&D. It's her first time. Uh, So she's having a lot of fun building this interesting character that is probably the most mysterious out of all of the characters in our group. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. Me, I have the motivation of wanting to to just get back into things and dip my toes in. Eventually, I want to be able to DM, but... I am not there right now, <laughs> so uh, I have our DM is kind of showing me the ropes and helping me figure things out, and it's it's a great experience. And we're all coming together to to hop on this mysterious submarine thing, and then go to Ooh. a pirate ship and fight some gnolls. So I love everything yeah. about it. Heck yeah,
0: it's fun to hear you both describe that a little bit. I'm thinking about the Dungeon Master's Guide which in the beginning kind of breaks down player motivations into three main groups. And there are more and probably subdivisions, but they break it down into combat, role-playing, and exploration. Mm -hmm. And they really encourage that you read the table as much as you can and and read kind of what is the motivation of the player and try to appeal to each player as much as you can in each session so everyone's getting a little bit at least of what it is that keeps bringing him to the table and i thought that was really cool and involves a lot of really interesting like interpersonal skills related to just like perspective taking and empathy and Hell kind yeah. of you know figuring mm-hmm. out what what is it that's bringing this person and what are they interested in and what little kind of thing can i put out in the session today that's going to really make this game cool for them and how do i balance that with the other players who might be more or less interested in that topic so i think there's so much that goes into the interpersonal dynamics that go into playing a game especially from the dm perspective um that i just think it's so cool to just puzzle over it and and just think about all just what a Uh, Almost like what a a deep relationship that can be. And of course, there are, there's so, there's such a continuum of, of how engaged and how deep the sessions can be to, you know, you have people who play the same game for years and maybe are very close friends and can be very vulnerable with one another and maybe share a lot of really intense emotion over these games. I referenced my first campaign and how it ended a little abruptly um, and almost tumultuously and in a pretty significant way. It was because One character made a mistake that led to another character's Or I'm sorry, one player made a mistake. Well, I guess the character did too. Um, That led to another player's character dying. And that caused really, really hard feelings within the group um, that we never finished that campaign. We just had to take a break. And then eventually I just kind of messaged everyone and got everyone back together and say, I'd really like to play again. Why don't we start fresh and I'll DM this time. And that's kind of what it took to get the group back together because there was so much emotion involved in this really significant interaction that happened. After several weeks of eight hours of day of getting in the mindset of these characters and getting involved and immersed in this world, I think that's so cool, and I don't know where you get that anywhere else to that level.
1: Mm-hmm. I know that when we were building our group of friends our D and D group this time, we asked a friend of ours if they wanted to play D and D with us, and they said. I just got out of a five-year campaign. I'm good. Uh, And I think they just needed a break from being Uh, this other person for five years. I can't imagine playing the same character for five years straight. It's it's intense.
0: For sure. Uh,
1: But more power to you if you can do it.
0: (laughs) That would be a long push for sure. I I very admittedly tend to get a little bit restless after about like a year and I'm ready for a new character. Mm-hmm. Um I've been feeling that way about my current character for a little while now. And we're coming to the end of our campaign and I'm starting to puzzle over what's next. And I'm probably gonna look for some ideas or inspiration from the community a little bit to help me form this character, which I think will be fun. Um so That's yeah. kind of
1: fun to crowdsource your yeah. character building. I
0: thought that would be kind of fun to to see you know, I've got some general ideas, like I'd really like to play either a, a wizard or a bard, and my idea for a wizard was maybe uh, a, a wizard who is a necromancer, but of course in this universe, there's a lot of stigma against necromancers, but my wizard is more of like, uh, kind of like a salesperson, so he'll just uh, ask if people will sign away their corpse after they pass away by whatever means, um, so it's, it's a very it's a very legal approach to it. <laughs> Death of um, a
2: salesman only. Yeah, right, uh, <laughs> My fifth edition character in a game that I think that my friend group is picking up again sometime soon, but I'm playing a uh, half drow necromancer who (laughs) works at like a funeral home. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's just like, look, you want to get rid of a body? Right. I need a body. How is this not mutually beneficial? Right.
0: Oh great minds.
1: Lauren you would be a necromancer working at a
2: funeral home. Of course. I mean <laughs> that the, is pretty <laughs> on brand. The best part is that uh, another player in the campaign is playing a um a monk no, a druid who ha- whatever his his god tie to is like uh abhors necromancy and is all about like life is precious and and Uh undead is bad and i'm just like we're gonna get along fine if you could just look over there while i cast the spell (laughs) for a hot second look oh i think i see a shooting star isn't that necromancy necromancy uh yeah it's fun
0: it is fun man character creation really good I d- have either of you seen the community episodes about D&D?
1: Hell yeah. Those are have, so good. I have not, but I've heard uh, Sway talk about it a million times. Oh, okay, and sure. I love, I love it. <laughs>
0: They're very fun. I definitely recommend for folks who haven't seen those. Even if you just skip right to that, you, you could very much, I think, enjoy it without the context of the rest of the show. I think it's yeah. interesting how D&D is portrayed more now in media. And I think that the The accessibility of D anD through streaming and podcasting mm-hmm. has played such a big role too, because yes. it makes it a lot less like abstract and a lot less like ominous and maybe like overwhelming from a distance. If you just like, I'm thinking about m- my favorite D anD D podcast, The Adventure Zone. That's shifted away from D anD D now, but they had 69 very nice D anD D episodes. Nice and uh, yes, nice and um, they uh they don't know how to play T and D good, I guess to be gentle. Um, And so that makes it like, if these three, can like figure it out. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. Anyone
1: can figure Uh, it it out. Anyone can
0: figure it out for sure. And I think that just makes it so accessible, especially in the first episode, they started to break down their characters. And one thing that they did that I thought was really cool. I don't think it was universally enjoyed was doing like the leveling up live and like kind of making these decisions and rolling for things. So I thought that was really cool. Um, But another example of something that, that was so emotionally engaging. And I think the same is really true for, for critical role as well i mean there are just mm-hmm. there are fans who are really into critical role personally i have not been able to get into it yet because four hour episodes are just i don't know how you consume those and keep up it's amazing and someday i hope i can um because there's something about that that game that really gets people bought in and i want to be a part of that um so i think that th- the way. Like just how easily you can watch or listen to D&D now has made it another thing that that just makes it so much easier for people to get on board and say, yeah, I can give this a try. I can pick this up. They've got the Stranger Things starter box now, and they've got their normal starter box and their new essentials kit that we're going to play the campaign out of. The essentials kit is so cool because it's really just like, look, this is all you need to play. It comes with a really neat campaign. It comes with like... Uh, initiative cards. It comes with enough dice for you to roll for advantage and disadvantage and roll for all your stats. It has magic item cards and sidekick cards and status effect cards and a rule book. Like it's really neat and it's 25 bucks. So if you and a couple of friends can chip in and pick that up, you can play the game and they've designed the rule set so you can play with just two people. And that's unusual. It's hard to play D&D with just two people, but they're making it that accessible now. And I think that's so cool.
1: That was my wife's entire D&D. That was Amazing. her childhood. Her older brother was the DM and forced her to, he's five years Aww. older, and forced her to play D&D. <laughs> and they basically invented LARPing on their own because she was like, if I'm going to play, I want to go outside and play. Oh,
0: sure. That's So, so cute. there
1: was that. Um but when I heard you on the episode last week talk Brandon talking about how it's a one to one you can have it with one DM and one player I was like that would be really cool to figure out a way to use it clinically in therapy because I know there are D&D groups uh mm-hmm. that are therapeutic D&D groups but I think it would be really cool to do some some clinical uh one and one
0: that but is I have to such figure a figure idea. How to apply that? Yeah. Let's let's collaborate and write this module together. Let's, let's do it, Brandon. Let's do it. Um I mean seriously, that's such a neat idea. And and that kind of leads me to the last kind of big segment I want to talk about. Are either of you very familiar with any of the kind of applied uh therapeutic um kind of D&D programs or D&D adventures or modules at all?
1: I loved Game to Grow.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I have not what there's. Um, I backed the Kickstarter for uh, for Critical Core, and th- that kind of was the impetus for my. I need to learn to DM. Sure. So, because uh, my I would love to run groups like that here in in the Bay Area. Um, th- their work is amazing, and I love listening to them talk on uh, the various podcasts they've been on this network. On, they've been on GT Radio and on uh, Rolling for Change, uh, and I think on Headshots. So they're, they're just wonderful. The Adams are, are wonderful guys. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love it. Yeah, it's, it was. Just, it blew my mind. <laughs> for
0: sure. Yeah, I was excited when I saw Critical Core going around. I mean, what a neat idea. And something I know, it. I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, the kind of the the main premise was to help kids who were on or maybe experiencing symptoms of autism spectrum disorder, Mm -hmm. but could be applied more broadly, of course. Yeah. Um, And so that was something I got very interested in this past year. I've worked and developed uh, a small but growing expertise with it for working with individuals who fall on autism spectrum disorder. So I thought that was so cool to see um, folks who are also passionate about that and working to use this really kind of like a really growing vehicle of role-playing uh and how can we use that therapeutically? I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a few other examples too. Uh, you've got the the Bodana Group; they've got their Wizards, Warriors, and Wellness um, campaign, the, the therapeutic application of role playing games. So that's another one that I know you can get on Drive RPG, which I mentioned earlier. Um, which is another just really cool uh, kind of their I think their first publication for for using RPGs and kind of this therapeutic group. And then the folks um, through K- take this have now published something they're calling Gardens of Fog, which which is another kind of clinically mm-hmm. or therapeutically oriented kind of RPG application, which is really neat. So it's cool to see this area growing and, and D&D or role-playing games maybe more broadly being applied are used in applied ways, are used in therapeutic ways. I, I'm excited to see how that continues to grow. And I've constantly been puzzling over how in my own kind of free time t- and, and, pers- and professional work to combine those kind of big personal and professional interests that I have. Um, other people are doing it very successfully. So I, I just need to, to find the time and the right idea to get there. But I think it's really cool and inspiring to see so many people doing such neat stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely, and this may not be necessary clinical, but after the panel I was on at San Diego Comic Con, someone came up to me and said that they were in a D and D group that was all therapists playing. Yeah, and I thought, ooh, that would be really I th- interesting.
0: Is that clinical role? Is no, that- no, oh, okay. this is
1: one that they started on their own. But I gotcha. cl- clinical role is very cool too. Yeah um and then i thought about the fact that my dm is is very nervous about having a therapist in the group (laughs) because he's like i don't know this is i've never had a therapist in the group and i'm (laughs) like i my character is not your therapist my character is a paladin damn it and but my character in this group is very optimistic and and wants everyone to see the the beauty in the world so it's very it's it could it could lean that way, but oh, I'm sure, guys. I'm not your therapist. I'm not trying to solve all your traumas because everyone else is trauma laden. <laughs> and I'm like, why'd you guys do
2: that to me? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll be your in-game therapist, but you are going to have to pay me all of your dungeon gold. Right. I'm naturally. sorry. <laughs>
1: I charge 150 gold pieces in an hour. Perfect.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you just got me thinking about you know I had my wizard necromancer idea. Uh, but what about a bard character who is a therapist, or is like the first therapist and uses like their uh, their bardic inspiration is like a little dose of therapy oh, that helps my move people along. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes. that's another yes. fun character idea. Uh, so many. The, the, so we sh- many we should probably start an, another podcast that just uh, workshops D&D character ideas I guess <laughs> that would be our newest show um,
1: that, w- that would actually be pretty cool because then you could have people just be like I like that one
0: right yeah and, and play just, that just play it yeah you could even like make the level one character sheet so people could just print it off and am like there you go if you like that episode just play this character now that's an idea TM 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 okay. <laughs> Okay, as we get to the end here, we've covered a lot. The last thing I want to ask you both about is any thoughts or apprehension or questions before we play d and d together uh in a few days? It's okay if there isn't.
2: Hmm. I'm so friggin excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> me too.
1: I'm excited too, and I'm glad that I had the chance to play a different game beforehand, so that there was not as much pressure, yeah, <laughs> on, yeah, on me loosey or loosey. Brandon. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm very loosey goosey. Mm-hmm. I am ready to go. I hope I make a character that's different enough from the one I have that I don't certain start uh, slipping in my my half elf paladin into, <laughs> into <laughs> this. Uh, but it'll be interesting uh, to to be able to play and kind of compare the two experiences
0: i'm very excited i think it's going to be a lot of fun
2: it's going to be so much fun
0: maybe too much fun We'll we'll never go back to the regular gt radio it'll
2: just be a live play podcast
0: sorry jose um we (laughs) broke your show (laughs) Um, we really
2: swerved on you there
0: (laughs) 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 Okay. Any other closing thoughts about Dungeons and Dragons before we wrap up at all? I guess I'll start with mine. Dungeons and Dragons is a lot of fun. Um, it can be a little tough if you don't have that social support network or that social group to find people to play with, but I encourage you to, if it's possible and if you're able to reach out and see if there's anyone who's just willing to give it a shot with you, even if you've just got one friend, pick up that essentials box and give it a try. Um, I know it can seem a little scary or a little overwhelming, but I just cannot stress enough what an incredibly fun, fulfilling, and engaging hobby that this can really turn into. So play d d is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I want to bounce off of that and add um if you live in a town or city that has a game store mm-hmm. or a library; those are both places where you might be able to meet up with people who already have a campaign and are looking for more people, or other people who want to start a campaign but don't have anybody. Um, also, most libraries, I think that you can you can rent the the manuals from so mm-hmm. if, if, if that's something you want to like maybe just kind of dip your toe into a little bit you don't want to drop the money for the, the books and the dice and the figurines I mean you will let's be honest you're going to but you know give yourself a <laughs> couple of weeks to just sort of flip through the book at, at the library and check it out first.
1: Yeah definitely um, D&D can be for pretty much anyone like we talked about there's different ways to play there's different reasons to play and it it's just it's fun go do it 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 can be che- it can be expensive but you can also do it on the cheap like mm-hmm. Lauren said you can go to the library Brandon mentioned the essentials kit that's 25 bucks yeah don't let don't let things scare you off it, there's ways to get around whatever is getting in your way
0: absolutely i love it and i love D&D and i love everyone who took the time to listen to this can't tell you how much we appreciate it and we'll be back again really soon with our own GT D&D episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, why don't you take care of yourselves? Thanks for listening. And make sure to geek out and do good. Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a special thank you to our Patreon producers this month. Ben, Booney, John, Kat, Mark, Reese, Jamila, and Lydia. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com geektherapy.